Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Random Troy Radio, episode 495, coming to you on Monday, August 14th. 2023 it is the first week of two a weeks this is college football season folks we're going to preview the usc offense in this episode we'll be back wednesday with our defensive preview but today's all about caleb williams austin jones mario williams zach branch uh an offensive line led by justin didich and so much more how good can this offense be this year how good were they last year what are the big position battles of notes? Who are the projected starters that we think could, could get a lot of playing time? All of that we are going to discuss and more in this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fansite.com. Our phone number, 818-643-7227 is the rant line number. Save that into your phone, especially as we get closer and closer to game week, which is just next week. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Mike Cresillo, and you can join me uh, here with my co-host here in the Ranch Roy studio in Los Angeles, Alisa Daratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, I am super pumped. I'm always pumped when we do an offensive preview. Um, it's one, th- there's like things that happen in August that mean that you're closer to the beginning season, beginning of the season. It's the offensive and defensive preview. It's the season predictions episode. It's Little League World Series highlights, and I saw, like, the regional highlights yesterday <laughs> online. Like, that's how you know. That's how you know that things are, are coming along. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked, and I hope you are, because we've got two episodes at least, if not three episodes, every single week for maybe four episodes. Sneak preview to something I, uh, coming up. I have been looking forward to these episodes Ever since we set our off, our, the end of our off-season schedule, yeah, I have had these circled as these are going to be awesome to put together. These are going to be great for us. These are going to be great for the people listening. Because as we've said, the off-season is long. The summer is long. If you don't pay attention mm-hmm. as closely to what's going on around USC, that's completely reasonable. We know that that people are out there. We know that there are people who are who are sticking on every little thing that's happening. But I think the majority of fans are. This is the time of year when they are re-entering the pool. They're dipping their toes back in and trying to get a sense of okay, 
what does the offense look like? What does the defense look like? What are the names I need to know uh, going into this season? And that's what this episode is all about. So I'm super excited about it. Are you doubting the Rodbot? I think the, I the average doubting- Rodbot lives and breathes SC football. <laughs> The, 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 these, are, these are podcast listeners. These are pure sickos. These are people who are wondering what's uh, what is going to happen to, um, you know, the the 85th roster spots in the middle of June, you know? Yeah. I mean, our 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 our, our robots are definitely the people who are tracking which walk ons are going to are going to be able to kept on the roster and all yeah, of that kind of stuff. Exactly. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm just thinking of like, you know, our friend Trenice who has texted us going like, hey, I need you guys to do a, I need you guys to do a, 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 tell me what I'm looking forward to this season kind of stuff. It's like, we're looking out for you too. You don't all have to, it's, you know, we're, we're no judgment zone. If, uh, if you haven't been keeping up, that's fine. That's what we're here for. (laughs) Catch you back up. Yeah. And we can all be sickos during the season. Yeah, and um, I'm I'm super excited uh, to talk about this stuff because put together like a bit of a presentation to walk you through here on YouTube, and there's a bunch of our friends here in the chat, a bunch of Rotbots. We've got Darlene, Ernesto, uh, Kenny's here, Hank is here, Cigar is here, Tim is here, Dave is here, Cameron is here, Johnny is here. There's a bunch of people. Um, join us uh, every Monday and Wednesday for uh, live shows during the season as game recap episodes and we call game fallout episodes on Mondays game preview episodes on Wednesdays. Of course, car after each game on Saturdays after the game, uh, and a new feature, a new feature for our members, uh, on the rot squad, uh, which are YouTube membership, um, members Thursday nights. We are launching a new show. It is called rot after dark. And if you remember old concept, yeah, old concept back from our Patreon days, new look, uh, new look kind of refigured. Um, it's basically just going to be like a hangout, uh, live stream, uh, a bit of a call in show. We can, we can, you know, call in to have the, uh, the rot bots in the, in the rot squad call, uh, call in, uh, on Thursday nights, looking forward to the next game or whatnot. Uh, we're going to start this week, Thursday night members only. Uh, you can join our membership here on YouTube, uh, and then you can also get access to our Discord channel to talk about USC football nonstop, not only with us, but with other Rotbots. Uh, and then you get the bonus content. You also get in the chat, you get the little the little shield next to your name, which is fun. So a lot of stuff for just $4.99 a month, uh, less than the price of a whatever latte BS thing that you get at Starbucks. That, <laughs> that example gets... Less and less, um, <laughs> it's so cheap kind of <laughs> feeling because I feel like lattes it's are It's so roughly like, a tank, of, a, 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 a gallon, gallon of gas. gas. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but here's our schedule upcoming. We, we got the defensive preview coming up on Wednesday. Uh, Monday, or sorry, this Thursday, the, the first members only uh, right after dark. Monday, next Monday, the 21st, is our annual season predictions episode. So all off season, we get asked, how many games is this going to win? Is this going to go 11 and one? They're going to go 10 and two, uh, 12 and zero. what do you think? Next Monday, we will lock in our predictions. We'll walk through the season game by game. Tell you our thoughts, uh, which leads us into Wednesday, next Wednesday, uh, episode 498, the first game preview of the season, looking at week zero USC and San Jose state. So join us 
Wednesday, uh, August 23rd. Uh, Thursday, August 24th is the, the first run after dark live stream show Thursday night, 9 PM, uh, leading into the first game. Uh, and then of course, um, Alicia, we've got another announcement Friday, August 25th. We haven't done these in a long time. We're going to have a bit of a hangout, a, a meetup of sorts. We're just, well, a literal meetup. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're going we're to keep it old school and low-key, which is true true to us, I think. <laughs> but we've talked about this for years of just going to a pizza, pizza, parley, pizza parlor like we're, uh, like we're a, a t-ball team. So we're doing it. We're going to Shakey's uh, on Laurel Canyon and Valley Village on Friday the 25th of august we'll be there at 6 p.m uh come join us come hang out grab a slice of pizza um drink yeah. drink, drink whatever you want to drink i guess and uh have have, have a merry. if you're michael have a diet pepsi if you're alicia exactly have a i don't know bud light or maybe if they have a cider i'll have a cider um and yeah and and some pizza and and, and mojo potatoes and and enjoy some just talk about usc football our, our past meetups especially the ones that we've done right before the season starts have been a lot of fun. Uh, just getting people together, talking about how excited we are for the season, talking about the expectations for the season and just sort of riffing it. So if, if you've got the time, uh, come on out and, and say hello and have a beer with us. Yeah, it'll be fun. August 25th, the, the eve of college football Friday night uh, before uh, the SC San Jose State game. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Uh, but Alicia, we got a bunch of news, bunch of news to discuss. Uh, really not a lot of news. One little news nugget we want to get to before we get to talking about the offense. Uh, so let's do that now, shall we? Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today. Use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.
to start with the news. Uh, the AP poll is out. The annual preseason AP poll has been released, and USC is ranked number six. The highest ranking for the Trojans in the AP poll going into the season since 2017. And also matches the preseason coaches poll uh, with USC at six as well. Uh, in the AP poll, it's Georgia number one with 60 first place votes. Michigan number two with two first place votes. Ohio State number one, uh, number three with one first place vote. Followed by Alabama. First time in years and years and years. They don't have any first, first place first votes. First time since 2015, which was when yeah. they won a national title, by the way. Uh, that, they don't, that they don't have a, a first place vote. Yeah. LSU 5, SC is 6, Penn State 7, Florida State 8, Clemson 9, Washington 10. That is your top 10. Uh, The interesting thing for USC here is the Trojans are scheduled to face four teams in the preseason top 15. Number 10, Washington. SC gets at home. SC will have to go on the road to face number 13, Notre Dame, in October. They will host number 14, Utah in October, and then we'll go on the road in November to face number 15, Oregon. Your, your, your thoughts, Alicia? Too high? Too low? What, what, what are you thinking? Just right. We, If we're Goldilocksing it. Um, I, I said this about the, the coaches poll. I personally would have USC ahead of LSU. I understand why they're not in the top five. The defense is a big problem, uh, a big concern. I just personally would still have USC top five just because of, of the, the offense and because I, I expect the defense to be better. But when it comes down to it, I agree with one of my colleagues over at fansider.com who said today, basically everything from six to 12 could be jumbled up and, and, and mixed up and you wouldn't feel too crazy about it. Sure. Uh, and, and I tend to agree with that. I think that you can make an argument for, for pretty much everybody to be up, uh, you know, outside of that elite group of Georgia, Michigan, Ohio state and Alabama. And so, yeah, I think USC is very well placed in terms of, of growth here where if they keep winning, they will be up in one of those college football playoff slots very quickly. Uh, but it but it really does come down to you got to win your games because your preseason ranking literally does not matter. See twenty twelve USC. Uh, so right. that's I, I think that the other pl- the other plus side for USC here in terms of placement is there's a lot of Pac twelve teams on USC's schedule who are ranked very highly. Mm-hmm. So it's not like USC isn't going to have opportunities to have impressive wins. Yeah. Assuming now part of the problem though is as we're going to talk about next week. The front part of USC's schedule is is very light, and the back end is very loaded. So it will be up to the likes of Washington and Oregon and Utah to remain ranked by the time USC plays them. But uh, but the the setup is 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 pretty is pretty good. Yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out. Um, we've talked about before; teams are usually. And I know there's three basic outcomes. They can be better than you think. They can be as good as you think, or they can be worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're at least any of the first two, I think that bodes uh, bodes well for SC in terms of strength of schedule, uh, which would help SC down the line when they want to get into things like the playoffs and whatnot. But I, I, I don't know. I, I think that the this this seems right to me. I don't think it's too high or too low. I think there's a right amount of skepticism in the defense to put them sixth. I've seen a lot of predictive 
rankings that have like Florida State in the top four because people think that they could get into the playoff. And I like that the AP is not a predictive poll because I, I find predictive polls, I, I don't know, like, I, it's, I, it, it's a crapshoot because yeah. when, when you're just, you're picking, you're, you're picking what you think the final outcome is going to be. That's not what the AP poll is. And I want my AP poll to be what it is now. And I think that SC at six seems a bit right. Like SC and Penn state, I think are the, the, the two teams here and, and LSU that are the teams that are like, you need to show that and prove that you are truly a contender before you're going to be in the top four. And I think that's fair. I mm-hmm. think that's fair. USC when, has, when you look at what USC's defense was last year. USC's defense gets to answer that question. And then you can talk about them being in the top four. Yeah. So we we will see how uh, how all of that comes to be. Uh, but at least we got a lot to talk about, about the offense, the Trojan offense, which, of course, was very, very, very good last year. The vaunted USC offense. Um, let's start there. Let's look at the offensive statistics from a year ago. Uh, SC was the number one offense in SP plus, the number three offense in scoring offense, the number three offense in total offense, the number three offense in yards per play, the number third passing attack in the country, averaging three hundred and thirty-five passing yards a game. Uh, rushing offense, a buck seventy-one. Mind you, that's on a per game basis, on a per rush basis. SC was much higher than that. SC was a very efficient running team when they wanted to. It was just the amount that they ran ultimately dictates where you are in told in terms of total rushing. Um, it was an offense that ultimately got the quarterback to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, Caleb Williams won the Heisman, and he was pretty damn good all season long, uh, especially as the season went went down the wire uh, up until his injury in the Pac-12 championship game against Utah. When when you look at numbers like this, when you look at just the you know the, the big totals, these big numbers, how where where do you begin? Like, do you expect the SC to be this good on offense again going forward? Yes, yes, I do because Lincoln Riley has has fielded offense that offenses that were this good in every season of his coaching career essentially. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I would expect USC to be right up there. Uh, top five, I would say, is is an expectation for for this offense. It's uh, it's hard to say if the rushing offense will will be uh, more productive this coming year. It's entirely possible. Um, I I do think that the injury last year to uh, to Travis Dye may have limited a little bit a little bit of that growth. Also, the high scoring games where USC was was in shootouts probably mm. didn't help the rushing offense too much. I, I'm going to push back on that. I think mm-hmm. that SC loses Travis Dye um, in the Cal game or is it Colorado? Cal, Colorado, Cal, Colorado. Uh, one of those yeah. um, in early November, and Austin Jones basically produced what Travis Dye would have produced in the subsequent games. Uh, when you look at what he did against UCLA and Notre Dame, like he was very damn good. Like I, I think this is a rushing, uh, rushing attack that is plug and play. Um, and Austin Jones is very good to sort of lead it. We're going to talk about more about the rushing, rushing attack as, as we get 
towards real, the real, end there. Real quick, now that I'm looking at the game-by-game game stats, you know what killed USC's rushing offense it's numbers? It's the Utah game. Not that they were going to be... Not that they were going to be like top ten or anything like that, but they wouldn't be down in the in the fifties. It's not just the Utah game; it's Utah and Tulane. Fifty six yards and one hundred thirty two yards in Utah and Tulane. Yeah, what do those games? It's uh, the injury have to, in to common? Andrew Voorhees. Andrew Voorhees and Brett Nealon, uh, yeah. and uh, like there was just yeah, injuries were a huge factor yeah. there. But um, but and and to be honest, that is something that you have to discuss when you're when you're looking at USC's offense coming into this year. Again, we're going to talk about the offensive line. Yeah. It's pretty thin. So that's going to be a concern for whether or not they can maintain these big numbers. Uh, staying healthy is a big part of that. Yeah. When when you look at drive stats, SC pretty damn solid as well. The number one team in the country last year on points per drive, 3.76. Uh, you, you saw that especially midfield drives. They were number one. Long field drops to 18th. I never know how to read the difference between... Like long field and midfield, like I'm not sure what we're supposed to glean from the difference there. More than anything, I, I think SC's ability to be the number one points per drive team overall is the bigger telling point there. Um, available yards, SC was fourth, he gained 65.9 percent of their available yards on the season, uh, and 23 percent of the plays gained 10 plus yards, which is that's what you want. That's what you want, a big chunk explosive offense. I would expect that number to grow in year two under Lincoln Riley, especially when this is year three for Caleb Williams in the Lincoln Riley system, year two at USC. Like, I think SC has all the ability to get better this upcoming season, which I think starts scary. at quarterback. And it's weird to say it starts at quarterback, but Alicia, it starts at quarterback. I mean, uh, Let's look into the quarterback room. The Trojans have three um, players on the roster, three scholarship quarterbacks. Caleb Williams, of course, the Heisman Trophy winner, returns for his junior season. Miller Moss, also a junior, but is a redshirt sophomore by trade, uh, and he will be fighting it out with Malachi Nelson, the five-star incoming signee from um, Los Alamitos. Uh, Those two are going to compete for who could be quarterback one I mean quarterback two behind Caleb Williams if they are needed but I think when you look at Caleb Williams and we just start to look at Caleb Williams numbers last year passing yards 4,537 42 touchdowns five interceptions those are exquisite numbers these are all-time great numbers at USC the all-time greatest season for a quarterback statistically in the history of USC football However, it is not anywhere near um, the production in terms of things like efficiency, like quarterback rating, as to what Lincoln Riley was getting out of his Heisman winners at Oklahoma. When you look at Baker Mayfield uh, and when you when you look at Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts, what those guys were able to do in subsequent years, they were 30 points higher in, in quarterback rating. Which leads me to believe that SC can be much more explosive this year. When you look at the the uh, efficiency for for Caleb Williams in terms of holding on to the football, he didn't have a turnover for like the longest time last year. Uh, Forty two touchdowns and five interceptions is a great ratio to have, but I think SC can vastly improve on things like yards per attempt, 
uh, SC can get better in, in just the sheer explosiveness of the passing game. And I think if they do that, they're going to be even better and more opportunistic on offense, which will help them in some of those, you know, metrics where the offense is not top is, is top 10 instead of top five, right? Like, which is, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it's like splitting hairs a little bit, right? But I think when, when you're trying to win a national championship and when you have a defense that has a million question marks, which we'll get into on Wednesday, you gotta be as good as you possibly can. And I think SD can be historically good if they take that step forward and Caleb Williams comes out with like a passer rating of like 190 this year, he's he's like even better than last year. The offense is going to be even better. Everybody improves from that, do they not? Absolutely, and that and that's the scary thing about what Caleb Williams did last year. He was still a sophomore quarterback. He was yeah. still... He had a, the Oregon State game, right? He still had the Oregon State game, yeah. And and there were other periods in this in the season where he was looked like he was having an Oregon State kind of day. And they were few and far between and certainly outweighed by the by the uh by the sheer brilliance of most of what he did. But the fact is that that you're right. He had he had room to grow. That is the scariest thing about that all-time performance that he had that Heisman winning performance is is he can get better. And I think Lincoln Riley will look at him and expect him to get better. And Caleb Williams himself will look at himself and expect to get better because we know that Caleb holds himself to a very high standard. And it's not for nothing that I think Caleb Williams has been retweeting people saying that Drake May is the better is better than him or that JJ McCarthy has a better is is a is a better NFL prospect or or any of those things. He's got that chip on his shoulder and I think it it's easier to have your chip on your shoulder when you know that you weren't perfect last year and you are striving yeah. for, for for perfection. So that should only that well, should only fuel USC's offense in a in a very 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 scary way the, if he can take that step forward. The crazy thing is he wasn't perfect but he was damn near perfect. And so it seems crazy to say that he yeah. could be even better. Like compared to what Caleb Williams showed that, you know, that Sam Darnold's was, we thought Sam Darnold was what Caleb Williams was. And then Caleb showed that Dar- that he's eight steps ahead of what Sam Darnold was. Right. Well, Sam Darnold was the best thing that we'd seen up to that point. Like, yes. Caleb and, Williams and Caleb is, the, is like even is way on further a, ahead. It, it's, it's, Astounding! What the, Caleb the, the, Williams that gap is doing. Exists. Caleb yes. Williams is doing what Patrick Mahomes is, but like five years ahead of schedule. I just right. yeah, it's yeah. And you know, one, one quick note before we we move on to other units that we really need to delve into here is when I say that he can get better in terms of things like yards per attempt. Those three years in which the Oklahoma quarterbacks were winning Heisman's or being a Heisman finalist in Jalen Hurts's case. Um, the yards per attempt, 2017 uh, OU uh, for Baker Mayfield, 11.5. Kyler Murray in 2018, 11.6. Jalen Hurts in 2019, 11.3. Uh, Caleb Williams was 9.5 last year. So he has two yards per pass attempt to get better with. Mm-hmm. That's that's the area. That's How does this offense improve? How does Caleb Williams improve? By making that change by being that much more explosive 
And if they do that, literally everything gets better. And part of that is, too, who, who USC returns uh, in terms of everybody around Caleb Williams is going to help Caleb Williams be better this year as well. Yeah. We were skeptical last year going in because we thought the deep, the offense would be good, but we didn't expect it to be that good because it was still year one in the system for everybody on that roster, except right. for Caleb Williams and Mario Williams. Yeah. Now it's year two for everyone on that roster. Yeah. You can expect a step forward. And who's he going to be throwing against? Or throwing two, he's going to be throwing to the wide receivers, a group of ten dudes who are just loaded. Eleven dudes now that, that Deuce Robinson and and really Brown are there. Uh, the Trojans are loaded. Three returning starters, I guess you could call them: Brendan Rice, Taj Washington, and Mario Williams. But I think when you look at what SC has here, there's essentially like a top six that could be. Like, pick your poison here. Mario Williams, Taj Washington, Dorian Singer, the transfer from Arizona, who was a first-team All-Pac-12-er last year, Brendan Rice, Relique Brown, Michael Jackson the third. Like, this team is just flat-out loaded at wide receiver. Yes, it is It is loaded. Talent on the on the high end and also depth. Uh, it is, it's... It's one of those things where it's hard to pick starters, not because you're not sure about any of the guys who are out there, but because you're too sure about all of the guys that are out there. Like, Dorian Singer led the Pac-12 in, in receiving last year. Mario Williams was outstanding when he was healthy and, and, and was USC's second leading receiver last year. Clearly already had a connection with, with Caleb Williams and it was working working in his favor. Taj Washington, probably the most underrated player uh, in the Pac-12, potentially. Mm-hmm. Just uh, just production, production, production from him left and right. Brendan Rice, the the game he had against Tulane. The, 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 the standout, if that's the Brendan Rice that, that plays this season, he's going to be yeah, insanely the good. The standout performances that kid is, is capable of are immense. Yeah, And you and I both, I know, love Michael Jackson III. We love Kyron Hudson. We're excited about about the newcomers, Deuce Robinson and Relique Brown. And Jacoby Lane and and Mikai Lemon, like every single to a man, if any of these guys had to start this year for USC, I would not be worried in the slightest. I feel like these are all starting caliber players, with the right. only question mark hanging over the true freshman who that's that's just asking like that's that's putting too much on them. Uh, I know. But I wouldn't be upset about any combination of a starting group for this this group. It's it's outrageous. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that when you, when you look at the stuff that has happened in camp too, like, you know, Ryan Karchi of the LA Times has tweeted that Taj Washington's been sort of limited for a couple of days with an injury. Well, Lincoln Riley said that Zach Branch, Mario Williams, and Malik Brown have really benefited from that. And that's the kind of thing that you're going to see here. Um, if somebody goes down, there's three, four guys to step up. And yeah, and... That's what. That's the kind of depth you want. Yes, and we know that Deuce Robinson has gotten rave reviews. We know that Zach Branch has already been working with with the first team, uh, with the first team offense at times. Yeah. So that th- those guys are already stepping up. But at the same time, you know, during the off before camp started, we had questions uh, on the regular about like what what are you hearing about Jacoby Lane? What are you hearing hearing about Jacoby Lane? Well, guess what? First couple of weeks of camp. All I heard about Jacoby Lane was like, oh my gosh, this kid is amazing. He's a, a freak. He's he's he got ridiculous size and he's out here just making plays left and right. Like that's where 
the guys on the bottom of the pecking order for USC, like Jacoby Lane right now, are the guys also getting absolutely rave reviews and and right. looking like they could contribute as 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 true freshmen as well. So the only problem USC has here is I I don't know how you keep everybody happy in this rotation. It, there's too many mouths to feed and too many guys worth you know deserving of being fed the ball and only so many footballs to go around on a given 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 game, especially when the NCAA is trying to shrink the size of uh, the the number of plays in games and 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 speed up games. It, it just it, it seems like an impossible an impossible dynamic to maintain. It's very clear why you end up having roster casualties like Kyle Ford mm-hmm. and T.J. Williams because and Gary Bryant Jr. and who, Gary Bryant Jr. like this this receiving core is so loaded and they are down those three guys, John yeah. Jackson the third too like. It's it's nuts. Uh, we we got a tweet, or you got a tweet when you you tweeted out um, that we we're going to be talking about this uh, on Twitter on Sunday. Uh, this comes from Howie. Really, uh, he wants to know about Relique Brown and his possible ro- roles. Deuce Robinson and what wide receiver tight end will look like. Um, l- let's talk about Relique Brown here for a second. Are are you on board? <laughs> not not that you need to be on board, but like. Where are you on the whole, like, Relique Brown? Is he a wide receiver? Is he a running back thing? He's now listed in the in the wide receiver room in terms of the roster. Um, but wh- wh- where do you sit on him? Where I sit on him is I think USC should maybe embrace the thing that, like, recruiting services do, where they just... A dude doesn't fit perfectly into one position, so you just put the ATH next to his name. <laughs> like, right. Just call him an athlete. It's fine. I think we can expect to see Relique Brown used in both positions. He will be. He's listed as a wide receiver because they have to list him somewhere, and technically he's in that room for camp. But they're going to put him in the backfield, and they're going to let him let him roll from there. They're going to hand off to him. They're going to throw the ball to him. They're going to run sweeps. They're going to run. Um, you know, passing, passing designs and, and, and swing passes and, and what, whatever else you can imagine coming out of a, a Lincoln Riley offense. I think they're going to use really Brown in that way. I, I, I'm sort of not stressing it because it's clear they want to find ways to get him onto the field and yeah. using him in, in, in the slot or, or having him lined up at, at one of the receiver positions gives them more opportunities to do that. My only concern about this would be the potential problem of that we saw at times with like Adore Jackson where the the package that they had for him was then telegraphed that like if he's in the game the ball's going to him. So right. that's something that defense could know. But Lincoln Riley is such a I, an I offensive genius. Gonna, I don't think I'm worried about that even. I don't think that would be the case either because Adoree was someone who played defense, so there was a reason that you would could only have him out there so often. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't think that's going to be the case with with Relique. I, you know, um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how exactly how he's used. Is he going to be the Percy Harvin type who's all over the field? I think SC fans have sort of fantasized about the idea of Percy Harvin since Percy Harvin, um, and we saw a little bit of that with Reggie Bush. Certainly, you saw that a little bit of it with. Um, with with guys like Adoree Jackson, uh, we saw Amon Ra St. Brown started at running back for a time against against Colorado on a fateful night in Boulder. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, 
I think it's going to be interesting to see what what happens with Relique Brown. I think it's going to be interesting to see if he can put everything together and sort of be what I expect, which is someone who can kind of take over for uh, for my guy. Uh... Dom Davis down the sideline. Yeah, <laughs> Dom Davis. He's it's been... been a while since we get to pull out the Dom Davis. Well, I had to find it. Yeah, yes. yeah I know, <laughs> but. Yeah, and he, he can he can sort of be what we, what we thought Dom Davis could be. Yeah, um, but, I just, but I he's, have... he's the uh, he's Dom Davis like four given the recruiting hype versus, from Relique Brown versus R- Dom R- Davis. Rama Murdy in the chat I think makes a good point of Relique can be USC's version of, of Debo Samuel, and I, yeah. I, I think that's that's the modern equivalent. That, that's sure. got to be the, the 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 way to sort of approach it and you can line him up in the backfield, but he's basically a receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. and I think if anyone can figure it out it's Lincoln Riley I that's the nice thing about having a coach like Lincoln Riley in charge I don't necessarily have to worry about it too much and and to be frank if Relik doesn't doesn't create a role uh, doesn't have a role for him isn't isn't contributing in the ways that everybody wants it's almost like the tight end situation where like I have zen about the tight ends because yes I want to see passes to tight ends up the seam but also if USC scoring fifty points a game, I really don't care about how those points are scored or yeah. what what uh, well what position group is responsible for any of those points, so long as they're getting scored. Well, before we move to the tight ends, I want to talk about Deuce Robinson really quick because how he mentioned it in that tweet. What what do we expect from from Deuce Robinson? We know that he's going to play wide receiver, which is basically what we said Drake London was. Uh, a tight end in a wide receiver's body, even though they never called him a tight end, even though he's basically a tight end. And now Deuce Robinson is basically a tight end, but he's listed as a wide receiver officially, mm-hmm. like Drake London. Do you expect Drake London freshman year kind of vibes from him? Because I think he can be that type of guy on the inside to kind of maybe fill fill in for the you know the lack of tight end depth that USC has. Maybe you see him running routes that maybe Josh Follow was running before uh, on the inside and, and maybe in the red zone and, and whatnot early on. Um, but there's so many dudes that I think he provides flexibility and does something that nobody else does. But I don't know that we're going to see him actually have the impact that Drake London had as a true freshman. Just because there's so many dudes. There's so many dudes. That That's the bigger issue. Um I I I actually wouldn't be surprised to I I saw some tweets from like Shotgun Spratling and and others that that he was getting work with the outside receivers as well so I, I think we could see Deuce Robinson use inside outside uh, but it, given given that he's a freshman given that you've got Brendan Rice and and Mario Williams and Dorian Singer and all of those guys and uh, Josh Washington and Zach Branch and all of those guys who are going to be competing I don't want to put too much expectation on on Deuce Robinson I I think you let him organically find his find his sweet spot in that offense yeah and and I wouldn't be surprised if we see Deuce Robinson a little bit of the way that we've seen Kyron Hudson and, and Michael Jackson the third where like he pops up once a game to make a big play but it's only once a game because he's a freshman and there's six other dudes who are in front of him trying to also eat as much as possible yeah let's talk about the tight ends um we we got a um message in the chat from um uh where was it I just saw one um 
from, from your favorite five head who says oh. tight ends hardly exist in this offense. Deuce Robinson was turned into a receiver his first day on campus. Yeah, I I think that tight ends as you think of them don't exactly exist. USC's tight ends, I think, will function like Relique Brown functioned, where well we think will function in the sense that they're going to be lined up on the inside, spread out wide. They're going to be lined up in the backfield as a blocker instead of a ball carrier in in in, in the in the backfield, sort of as an H back. But they can also provide a different physical skill set than sort of Relique Brown does. So he can they can be just sort of different there. Um, and you're going to see tight ends in this offense. I mean, Mark Andrews sur- surely ate a lot in the in the Oklahoma offense uh, back at uh, back at OU with with Lincoln Riley calling the shots. So uh, th- this is a tight end group. Only four players. Uh, Jude Wolf is back for his redshirt se- senior season. Lake McCree is the basically their only returning starter here. Um, and who we would project to be the starter. Carson Tabarachi is the Utah transfer is sort of bounce from position to position to position. Tight end is where he fits right now. Uh, and Kate Eldridge is a three-star uh, tight end who signed in uh, for the Trojans this year out of Linden, Washington. Uh, gone is Malcolm Epps, transferred to Pitt. Uh, Josh Follow has uh, gone on to the NFL, finally, after a long SC career that had a great starts and sort of an interesting finish this, this past year with a couple touchdowns. Uh, and Ethan Ray had a medical retirement. So I don't know what else there is to say about the tight ends. Like McCree, I think we all think is good. I think he's head and shoulders better than these, the other dudes as it stands right now. I, that could change if Jude Wolf performs to the level that I think people thought that he could be coming out of, out of high school. But Lake McCree, I think, is a stud, and I think he was—he's just another option along with Relique Brown and Deuce Robinson to give you another type of body and option in the passing game. Yeah, Stephen in the chat says, "Mark my words, tight end's going to get some serious action this year. Lake McCree is going to surprise a lot of people." Yeah, and I and I agree that Lake McCree is going to be a a, a useful piece of this offense. Sure. Um, I I think that the the news of like the death of the tight end position at, at USC is just greatly exaggerated. I think we could see Jude Wolf slot directly into the role that Josh Follow uh played for USC last year where it was a primarily blocking role but you need those guys in there and then you can catch a few passes uh when when you catch people off guard. I think like McCree I think um Jude Wolf is perfectly capable of that. Sure. Uh, if he can stay healthy. Mm-hmm. I think Lake McCree is a very exciting receiving option for USC who can also do the job of a, of a blocking tight end as you need him. Yeah. So I think USC has has a couple of guys in there. And obviously, you know, we just don't with 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 Cade and, and Carson Tabarachi, we just we just don't know. We have not seen them in sort of real action. So right. uh, we'll we'll see from there. But uh, I, I think the t- tight ends will be on the field for USC. But they'll also face the same problem that, like you said, with with uh, Relique Brown, it's going to be you're going to have to have your your spots where you're on the field, and you're going to get taken off the field in favor of of a, a full wide receiver set. And and if Relique Brown is getting used, yeah, you you might have to to take Lake McCree off the field for for a yeah. play, or, or and with or, Robinson, or yeah. mix and match, or you know whatever. It, it's going to be 
Um, it's going to be difficult for the tight ends to put up like Mark Andrews numbers because USA doesn't need them to put up Mark Andrews type numbers. Right. Yes, I think that's the important thing because even when you look back at look back and like cream your pants looking at Fred Davis numbers, USA didn't have receivers that year. There, there was a reason Fred Davis caught all the passes. Yes. Go, go look at the 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 yeah. 2007 wide receiver core. They were led by Vidal Hazelton and. Yeah. You mentioned Vidal Hazelton on the podcast, and people were like, oh, Vidal Hazel, that's something I haven't thought about in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And there's a reason for that, right? Like, yeah. I I love Fred Davis as much as anybody else does. Um, but, like. That he, was a perfect storm for him. It was. It, it was. And, you know. He, and, for, by the way, Fred Davis was essentially Deuce Robinson coming out of high. He was a wide receiver. Coming right. Out of he high was school. a wide receiver. So, yes. like, yeah, it's, 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 you know, he was built for that role, and he was built for that season, and. USC used him to the fullest. The fact of the matter is USC doesn't... Like, Fred Davis in this offense? Greatest tight end in USC history in this offense? I, would not be a featured receiver. Would not be a featured receiver. I think he would absolutely eat, but mm-hmm. he would not be the the number like the one neg- target. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's move on to the running backs. Uh, the Trojans... Bring back Austin Jones and Darwin Barlow, the TCU transfer, back for year three at USC. Austin Jones, the Stanford transfer, back for year two. And uh, they got three newcomers. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd, the transfer from South Carolina. Uh, Chris Trevino from USCFootball.com has tweeted out that he's been rolling with the first team, it looks like. Interesting, because I when, when we put together our little projections on these little graphics that we have here on YouTube... We're just going like the basic chalk pick of who could be the projected starter. We taking it very conservatively. We said Austin Jones, and I don't think that's wrong. By the way, we'll see. Running back rotations in practice, uh, they're always are, are tricky. Yeah, um, because they're always trying to to number one keep the running backs healthy. Number two, just sort of like I think you there were from from my days watching practice, there were many days where it was like a one day, one guy's with the first team, the next day, uh, you know, the, down with the second team because the because the top two options are essentially one A and one B. And I and that's the way that I would approach Austin Jones and Marshawn Lloyd. Yeah. One A and one B in, in ways that might end up being very similar to the way that Travis Dye and Austin Jones last year were, I I think Travis Dye very clearly won A, but it's not like they weren't willing to to, to hand the ball off to Austin Jones as a, as a a guy. And and he proved that once Travis Jones, Travis Dye was gone, Austin Jones stepped right in. And like you said, did not experience a, a, a drop in productivity from the number one running back spot. So I think USC, has to feel very confident about both of those guys as as options that are going to see a lot of a lot of run next year or well, run in two weeks <laughs> this year. Right. Yeah. Austin Jones, uh, three hundred yard rushing games last year. Uh, one of them with Travis Dye healthy, uh, twelve carries in a buck ten against Fresno State in week three, but two with Travis Dye hurt in the two biggest games of the year. UCLA and Notre Dame. Uh, 120, 154 yards, and really solidified himself. I thought as the the guy heading into this season to be the starter. But the great thing about running back is you never know. You never know. Things can always change, and things can always move around. And um, I think SC will be will be best served with having the best guy tote the rock the most times. Uh, and whether or not that's 
you know, Austin Jones, who had 107, sorry, 705 yards last year, or whether it's Marshawn Lloyd, who had 573 and nine touchdowns in South Carolina, I think is, you know, it doesn't matter. You want, you want the guy who's going to be, uh, have the biggest impact. And we saw that in the spring game, I thought all those guys looked good. Lloyd, Joyner, uh, Marian Peterson, like those guys looked good. Um, want to give a big shout out, by the way, to to Alex in the in the chat. Alex um, coming through, <laughs> coming through as always with the with the super chat. It says if if some players Cheers. can play both wide receiver and DB, can a tight end play both on offense and defense? Do you remember a tight end ever also playing on defense? Well, if anyone would do it, it would be Carson Tabarashi, who is a linebacker by trade, mm. who's filling a gap at uh, a tight yeah. end. There's uh, been fullbacks. I can think of Lonnie Ford. Um, there was another guy, Luther Brown. Was Luther Brown someone who... Luther Brown was definitely a dabbled? linebacker who might have dabbled on I the... I think he um, dabbled at fullback. Um, a yeah. couple of guys have gone both ways that way. If you want a tight end linebacker crossover, there's this league called the Arena League. Highly recommend it because that's exactly their their due to just thrive at that. Um, I can't think of a of, of a role where you would see it here. Um, not in not Gr- a good modern... good in high school, surely. Yeah, but like this is one of those situations where I think that. It's such wear on your body to be a tight end that playing both both ways it just I don't th- I don't think it works. Yeah, in, it the, works. in the modern game you don't, you don't need it. You don't need right. Um, your f- favorite five head says Owen uh, Maricic at uh, Stanford was both ways. There you go. It's a good example. Um, and he also says running back is a plug and play position for USC defenses are here to stop Caleb in the passing game. So the running game is there if Riley wants to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about the running game and let's talk about what the offensive line statistics sort of look like for the Trojans as a way to talk about the offensive line here. SC last year, in terms of run blocking, was incredible. And I think that it paved the way for the running game to be efficient on a per-carry basis. I think USC has an elite running game on a per-carry basis. That is key. Key nuance. You talk (laughs) about total sum, and you look at SC being ranked 53rd in total run offense. That's nothing to write home about that's very middle of the road. Yes, I agree with you. But on a per-carry basis, SC is an elite running attack, and that's because... 61.9% 61.9% of their carries last year gained five yards uh, to give them an opportunity to rate of 61.9. Uh, average line yards, 3.17, which is fourth in the country. Fourth in the country in terms of power success rate, which means they were getting first downs on short yardage on 86.5% of their carries. This is what you want. And mm-hmm. and to the, the point made in the chat, like, yeah, that that makes it plug and play. I, whether it's whether it's Die or Austin Jones or Barlow, whoever it is, Dominic that, Davis, like they're going to pick up yards that, uh, with, with with an offensive line that runs these blocking schemes and fits in an offense that has all these other perimeter talents where defenses have to t- t- has to take everything seriously. Yes, in this offense, the run game exists to keep the defense honest. Yeah. 
and right. they kept defenses honest because if but, if if you focus too much on uh, if if you get too caught up in the Caleb Williams of it all, yes, you can hand it off to Travis Dye and he will get you know six yards a pop and and hundred percent and USC can hurt you that way and and that way you you can't go uh you, you can't go all in on on stopping USC's passing game because the running game will hurt you when they when they run the ball. That is all you need. That's that's the exact thing. Uh I think it's a credit to the scheme first and foremost, uh to the offensive line executing that scheme and then to the deep, for, to, to the running backs being capable of hitting the hole and getting the yards that are, that are made available to them. Um I I I I think the rushing totals at a certain point are irrelevant when you're putting up 48 points a game. Right. And uh and you're and you have our number it's, one in opportunity. It's choice. Yeah. Yeah, you're making the choice to 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 have your your passing offense be your your focal point and why not when you have the talent that USC has in that side of the ball. Yeah, and case in point, I think you look at 2018 and Oklahoma's numbers Number one in the country on yards per carry. Mm-hmm. Again, per per carry basis. And the crazy part is, you look at their their overall numbers. They were eleventh in terms of yards per game, two hundred forty seven. So they ran the ball more. And so I don't think the the running game functions as like an alternative to the passing attack. I don't think Lincoln Riley is that guy. He is not Graham Harrell in that sense. Mm-hmm. He is way more willing to run. Having said that, when you have an offense that has Caleb Williams, you know, you, you're going to put some faith in, in Caleb Williams. But at the same time, he's had offenses led by Heisman Trophy winners in 2018 with Kyler Murray. See, And they were still insanely good on the ground. Mind you, the, a lot of that was Kyler Murray also running the ball. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but that's the thing. It's like Caleb is Caleb is perfectly capable of running and will make play with plays with his feet. and so, But he's not Kyler Murray as a, as a runner. He's, he's yeah. You know, um, but I, I think the the big thing is the difference that we can tell immediately from the Graham Harrell to the Lincoln Riley of it all is is not just willingness to run, but like an understanding of when to run, mm-hmm. when it will be effective, when it will not be effective, and thus don't try it. Like all of those things are are what sets this this offense apart from what USC used to used to have. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, Calix Rose in the chat says you need the run game to close out games in the third and fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I thought SC did that well. Uh, when you look at the UCLA game, they really, I thought they really hit the run really solidly in the second half with Austin Jones. You saw it early on in the season against Fresno State when that when both Die and Austin Jones had over 100 yards. We know the Notre Dame and game, hope- SC controlled on the ground. And hopefully USC has more opportunities to do that this year with the defense not, you know, giving up uh, touchdowns and, and putting pressure on the offense to maybe not go into full shutdown mode um, the way that uh, that I think we would like to see them do. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the offensive line. SC um, has 15 guys in the offensive line on scholarship, coached by uh, Josh Henson. This is an interesting group because... Of course, SC loses All-American Andrew Voorhees and Brett Nealon. Bobby Haskins is gone. Cortland Ford is transferred to Kentucky. Jason Rodriguez is transferred to Nevada. Max Gibbs to Jackson State. There's a lot of attrition there, but there's still a lot of guys coming back. Three starters are back. Justin Dietrich, Mason Murphy, and Jonah Monheim. And you get 
Michael Tarquin, a starter from Florida. You get Jarrett Kingston, a starter from Washington State. You get Emmanuel Pregnon, a starter from from Wyoming. And just like last year, you have an offense, an offensive line that is led by your homegrown talent in Dietrich, Mason, and Monheim, augmented with strong transfer talent, except I think these dudes are better than the transfer guys they got last year. When you look at, you you compare it to Bobby Haskins, mm-hmm. I think Bobby Haskins was perfectly fine, but Jared Kingston was someone that guys at Washington State thought he was going to go on to the NFL. Yeah. And he decided to come back for another year which is, and transferred to SC. Which is why there is a there is a typo on, on this slide. Um, Kingston is a projected starter over Mason Murphy, yeah. um, just for the record. Um, but y- yes, the USC was aggressive in the offensive line transfer transfer portal and got guys that were coveted by many, many, many other programs out there mm-hmm. and uh, filled the gaps that would have we would have spent a lot of time this offseason discussing how the offensive line was a huge worry because of the loss of the starters, Nealon and, and Voorhees, etc., And it would have been a big sense of anxiety around this offensive line. And that anxiety has been lessened considerably because of who they brought in. Now my anxiety about the offensive line is completely and utterly just about depth. I just, I, I'm stressing the depth here because the, 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 the sort of the, the top six, I feel good about, um, I feel better in some positions than others. Elijah page, the freshman, Alani Noah, the freshmen have been getting strong reviews in camp, and and that is a that is a positive. Um, but like at center, for instance, if Justin Dietrich is injured the way that Brett Nealon got injured last year, there is no Justin Dietrich to slide over this time. Right, uh, Andrew Malek, I, I I just don't know how much you can depend on him to step in and be a starting center. That is a huge, huge concern that I have. Uh, so injuries will play a large role in whether or not this offensive line is a strength or a a limiting factor to right. this offense. Yeah, let's talk about the projected depth chart here. Um, you've got listed left tackle, Jonah Monheim, left guard, Emmanuel Pregnon, center, Justin Dietrich, right guard, Jarrett Kingston and right tackle Michael Tarquin with Mason Murphy being the returning starter who would sort of be the sixth guy uh, there at right tackle on the the two deep, but also flexible to move elsewhere if if necessary. Uh, The second string guys that you've projected here are Elijah Page working from left to right, left tackle, left guard, Gino Quinones, Andrew Milik Milik at uh, center, and Cooper Lovelace at right guard. Yeah, um, it's a two deep. <laughs> it is a two deep. Yes, <laughs> there are yeah. there there are bodies there. I, I think like as a know nothing about the offensive line and someone who can only speak to what the outcomes were, and I can't tell you about their their you know their their technique or any of those things, and I wouldn't lie to you and and proclaim I could. I think on paper, the offensive line here looks about as solid as it could be without having Andrew Voorhees there. Yes. Because we knew Andrew Voorhees was going into last year as a potential 
high first round pick. Obviously, he got hurt and changed that. He was a seventh rounder, but I don't think the fact there's that a he high got first... drafted at all speaks to how yes. how what a prospect he was. I don't think there's a high first rounder here, but this is a solid group, and I think that when you look at what SC has done the last two seasons. Both seasons, seasons that you could have doubts about the offensive line, and they've surpassed that in terms of, looking at the numbers, in terms of rushing, run blocking, um, then I think that this is a solid place. The problem is, SC last year was susceptible in pass blocking. And this is what I find so interesting about the USC's offensive line is the dichotomy there, because... Uh, you were talking to me about there was an alon- anonymous report. What was it from? An anonymous Pac-12 defensive coordinator Yeah, said that people thought that USC's offensive line was really good, but that was just Caleb Williams being able to run. Which I think is valid. Which in pass blocking, absolutely, I think you could yes. make the case. Yes. Was, there were many games, especially early on in the season, when he was just running for dear life. Mm-hmm. Yes, on every single play. Now the 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 topic falls apart when you look at the run. When the you look at the run blocking, SC was arguably the best offensive line in the country. Yeah, that's not just Caleb Williams. That's people doing their jobs in the scheme. But but this is also why I my anxiety is one hundred percent tied to just if there's a rash of injuries, you're going to be starting freshmen on the line, and that is always just a scary thing to to be considering. Yeah, but Josh Henson has done a good enough job uh, in his first year to suggest there's not going to be like when USC failed to get Bill Bidenbaugh from Oklahoma, there was the sense of okay, is Lincoln Riley's scheme going to rise to the occasion here, and can Josh Henson do that job, or is it was it really just the the you know the best offensive line coach in the country? propping things up a little bit and we learned last year that that was not the case because clearly these statistics that we're looking at opportunity rate power success rate average line yards means number one Lincoln Riley's scheme is well designed and puts these players in position to succeed on those fronts yes number two that Josh Henson was doing a good enough job to not screw up what that scheme is capable of doing yes um and and number three that Caleb Williams is enough of a talent that he can make up for whatever other deficiencies were coming yeah, in the passing in 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 past in past blocking, right? And if he was stone, if he was a stone footed quarterback, if he was uh, insert random USC stone Matt Liner, uh, John David Booty, John David Booty, yes. The the sack rate here that says forty to second last year, the SC ranked, it would mm-hmm. be like eighty second. Um, yeah, without Caleb Williams, so but you still got Caleb Williams, but you still got Caleb, Williams. and really, yes. what you need from this offensive line is literally just to. Stay hat. And the transfers that they brought in, the players that are currently in that starting five, I think are perfectly capable of uh, mirroring what USC did last I, year. I think so too. I, I I still think that you obviously would have wanted to have Bill Bidenbow. Um at the same time, I like to to your point, I think that we, we saw that the scheme itself does at least half the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um some of that work is with Caleb Williams, a quarterback. Um, and yeah. Oh, the horror if SC didn't have Caleb Williams, but they do. So. Well, and the question of what USC will do if they don't have Caleb Williams is one that is 
the core of the backup quarterback debate. Mm -hmm. And um, you have Miller Moss, who will have to operate differently in the in the offense because he is not Caleb Williams. Right. And you've got Malachi Nelson, who is probably too young to to take over uh, relative to Miller Moss. But if you needed him to be your savior, we've talked about this. There's before. worse thing. There's worse outcome. We probably should have talked about this when we were talking about the quarterbacks. That I think one of the interesting questions about the quarterbacks is if you have to go to a QB two situation. I personally think, and may, maybe this is just my conjecture, I think that it would be a situation of temporary QB, QB2 is Miller Moss. Long-term QB2 is Malachi Nelson. Hopefully, if you're in SC's case, you don't want to see that answer ever be presented with for yeah. you. But like, I think that's what it would be. Based on tweets I've seen from from practice, I, I think Miller Moss is pretty firmly QB two, um, but I, I which is a good thing. It's, it's, I think it's a good thing. You, you want the guy who's yes. been around, yeah, with, with the experience of being around yeah. there, yeah. Absolutely. But if a if a knock on all the wood, um, if say a twenty nineteen JT Daniels happened, uh, it would be it would be very interesting to see what Lincoln would do about uh, about the short term QB, QB uh, short term QB two versus long term QB two. That's a, that's definitely a debate we would we would have to have. I look forward to not having to have that debate. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, we, we got a bunch of stuff in the mailbag to get to, uh, but before we do that, big shout out to uh, Finding on MC in the Yay! chat. He gave us a uh, a uh, super chat. So big cheers of my water. Says, says happy to see you on YouTube. Happy to be on YouTube. Happy to be here with you all. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's get into the mailbag, shall we? You've got mail. All right, we got to start with a rant line call, Alicia, that we got from Eric. Hi, Michael. Alicia, this is Eric from Salina, Texas. Thank you very much for your podcast. You do a great job. I haven't heard a lot of discussion about special teams, but I just know in the last season... There were some head-scratcher performances and even discussion about why Coach Riley wouldn't uh, look to get his own special teams coach. If if there's a, a special part of the game, uh, it's a phase of the game that has to give attention to it. Uh, it's great that Relique Brown was named to special teams uh, in the media guide. That's great, and a new kicker. But I haven't heard a whole lot of discussion about what changes are going to come in the special teams to shore up this part of our team. Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Lisa, what say you? I have long said that special teams are a crapshoot. When you've got a special team, when you've got a dedicated special teams coach taking up one of your assistant coaching slots, people complain. When you don't, people complain. When you have one, your special teams can be really good. When you have one, your special teams can be really bad. When you don't have one, your special teams can be perfectly fine. When you don't have one, they can be very bad. And it, it sort of goes from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that for now, I am perfectly content with the setup that USC has in their full-time coaching. Um, they, uh, If special teams is a huge liability again this year, then I, I will be willing to change my mind on that about whether or not USC needs a dedicated special teams coach. But for right now, uh, I, I I just think back to, we have friends who called him John Badster. I, yeah. And I he just, was supposed to be the uh, the best 
special teams coach in the country. And he was for a second. Legitimately, USC special teams was great for a minute there, and then they were really bad for a minute there, and I could not explain to you what the difference was. And we were fielding questions every week from people saying, why is USC spending so much time in practice on special teams? And I, there's got to be a sweet spot, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know what it is. And I think well, the, the most satisfying answer is that just like just like um, strength and conditioning, this is a position group that I think you can only talk about in hindsight mm-hmm. because of all the reasons that you mentioned. Um, Jim in the chat says we'll have I'll solve half the special teams problems. Fair catch every kickoff done. That yes. is that that is my number one. And this is one of the things that I think Lincoln should have put his foot down. Yeah, last year about okay, we're not gonna have a special teams coach. Then let's not overthink it. Let's just fair catch everything and be conservative, because special teams is the one area where I think you can be extremely conservative and be fine. Don't field a single. It's, it's when you get greedy and you you've get got, the ball to twenty five, and you've got talented guys like Mario Williams and Relique Brown, and they want they're you know chomping at the bit to to go out there and make a play. Yeah, but the reality is, you shouldn't need special teams to be winning games for you. Your your goal in the modern game is to not have special teams lose games for you. Right. So number one, you need to fair catch every 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 kickoff and every punt. Just catch it. And if dudes muff punts, take them off that duty and put a new dude in who's not going to muff the punt or the kickoff or whatever. Number two, find the kicker with the biggest leg you have and have them... Strongest leg. It doesn't have to be the biggest leg. Sorry, the strongest leg leg possible. And Peter Crouch has a long leg and good at kicking. I mean, go go to the soccer team. Find somebody who can kick the ball out of the end zone every time. So Calix Rose says the king game should be improved. I, I agree with when you look at like Dennis Lynch. Well, and you've got Eddie, coming back, and, and Eddie Zablicki is going to help a lot. The in best terms punter of, in the Pac-12 yes. transfers to SC, I think, certainly helps. Gone are the days that SC is banking on on a, a, a certain USC podcaster to hype up a certain Australian punter. <laughs> but like, yeah, I I think that when people complain, they're not talking about when when I think when t- people are talking about coachable. Um, special teams are talking about the return game. I don't think people are talking about the kicking game because the kicking Was game the defense. feels less coachable. Does that make sense? Like, or is that is that just me just talking out of my ass? No, here? you need a the the kicking the kicking game. The technical like, side of it is is a skill that those I'm, players. You need somebody to help them develop that. But I nothing burgered the the kicking and punting game last year. Like, I can't even tell you a single thing about like. What happened positively or negatively? Like, I, I my brain just doesn't the remember. The issue it. was on coverage. It was on coverage, and it was on and return. Obviously, yes. the Mario Williams of it. All. The the Mario Williams moment. Yes, yeah. which Kenny says in the chat that you win the two lane game if you fair catch. You the do. Balls. Yes, you do. Yes, uh, just be conservative. Be be. Uh, be conservative. Like it's the it's the one it's the one aspect in football that you can you can literally win games by opting not to play. Don't buy the lotto tickets. You don't need to buy the. Lotto. You have the best offense in college football. Mm-hmm. Why do you need the lotto tickets on a return for? 
You don't need to risk injury. You don't need to risk fumbling. You don't need to risk yeah. any of those things. I get it. And by the way, you return also, is so fun to watch. By the way, you but, you survive special teams miscues if your defense isn't giving up fifty points a game too. Like, this this is this so is true. a lot of like to me special teams only becomes a massive massive talking point if your offense or your defense is is not sure is is not doing their job because. Even if there are special special teams miscues, you can shrug them off as special teams miscues if the other two elements of the game that are far more important are are taking care of their business. So last year, a lot of the special teams talk, to me, was a reflection of the defense as much as anything. Yeah, I, I, th- I think so, too. Uh, let's go to a question from uh, Cameron in the chat. Um, Cameron from Frisco, Texas. Other than Caleb Williams, who do you think can be a first-team All-American at the end of the season on offense? On offense, okay. Um, I think you can highlight Jonah Monheim and Justin Dietrich as potential. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard with it's hard with the center though because I I just I I don't know the center situation across the country well enough to say. Um, but, but who does though? I mean, who, good good rushing team, uh, veteran name. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's half the Dietrich. battle for the yeah. offensive line. Yeah, um, and then uh, I think you're looking at one of the wide receivers, um, Dorian Singer. If he does what he did last year, I think Mario Williams could take that step up. Mm-hmm. Um, those would be my my picks. So I'll give you the the two picks on the offensive line: Jonah Monheim, Justin Dietrich, potentially. Uh, and on the wide the wide receiver spot, I would go with uh, with Dorian Singer and Mario Williams. I don't think there's a chance USC gets an All American running back because, as we just talked about, you'd need two thousand yards. Yes, there's there's too many. Teams. There are primary rushing teams that are going to be handing the ball off every day. Yes, yeah. There's gonna USC's there's gonna, gonna be a, a kid a kid in Air Force who has eighteen hundred yards that SC can't compete against. Yes. Right? Um. Yeah. I so. Who do I think is All-American caliber? Dorian Singer. Who do I think is going to be an All-American? I kind of side with you about an offensive line guy. Because I there is a world in which, you know, I think Dorian Singer is someone who's capable of having like 1,800 receiving yards and 100 catches and 20 touchdowns. He is capable of doing that as a player as is Mario Williams, as is Taj Washington. But there's no opportunity to do that in this offense when there's so many other dudes. Mm-hmm. Like, they're gonna, you're going to have to share the ball. I think it'll be good for your for your film because you're going to be able to, like, you know, have your big moments in this offense, and that's probably going to be good for your your draft case, um, which is why teams like Alabama and Ohio State turn out all these these, you know, drafted guys which SC wants to get back into doing. But in terms of winning individual awards, I don't think that's going to help you in a production-based position on offense like wide receiver. Uh, Let's go to a question from Kenny. Uh, Though it may be somewhat of a spoiler for the preview, with the AP preseason poll out, who are your playoff picks? Um, You you want me to give them? We're going to save them? Let's save this for for next week. Okay. Save this for next week because I, I first of all, my answer is a total cop out, which is 
the Pac-12 champion, <laughs> yeah. the SEC champion, the Big Ten champion, and the and the best and the third place SEC team. That, those are my four picks. Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. <laughs> but like, other than, other than that, actually naming them, I think I think we're can you save save that for for next week in the season predictions episode. Uh, Ram Murdy says, "What do you think will be the identity for this year's offense?" Uh, pass first and run second, or a balanced attack or run to set up the pass. I think it's going to be the identity that it was last year and the year before and all those things under Lincoln Riley, which is attacking space. And how do you attack the space depends on what the defense gives you. And I think it depends on... Yeah, Ideally, I think things are pass first, but that doesn't mean that this team is not going to run too. Yes, and remember what we've long said is that not all, not all handoffs are just handoffs. Right. There yeah, are I don't also know that, extended handoffs. I don't know that we're going to have to press this button too much. As I choose not to run, <laughs> we can only hope. Yeah. Uh, yeah, USC had 515 pass attempts last year, except 437 rushing attempts. Yeah, clearly um, they're going to pass way more gonna, than they're they, going to pass they more run. than they yes. run. Uh, yeah. But I, I think I think you will see that. It, it will be a relatively balanced offense for sure. Yeah, I I, I think so. Uh, maybe not in terms of sheer production, but I think it'll be closer to 50-50. Um, SJ says predictions on who Alicia will be drooling over this year. Makes me drool. He makes me drool. Uh Huh. Okay, I think Lake McCree is gonna is gonna have some drool drool worthy moments. Um. Okay, I could see it. Deuce Robinson probably. Lake McCree is a good pick because he might be someone who catches all of eight passes, but, but they might be a memorable seam, eight passes. I'm just yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you said Deuce Robinson. You said I said yeah, Deuce Robinson probably. Yeah, um, I could see it. I I th- I yeah, I don't know. I think um, I'm curious which which running back could be that. Like you know, I, I Marshawn Lloyd might. I think Lloyd could be the dude. Quentin Joyner, I, I really liked in the spring game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Funny on MC says, do you think Caleb will try to stay in the pocket this season rather than take off running? I I think we will see him protect himself a little bit more this season. I th- I think so too. One of my fears, and this is, I acknowledge, this is USC trauma speaking. <laughs> One of my biggest fears in life is a player you enjoy watching regressing because of the new responsibilities that they have, and no team excels in doing this than the 2010s USC Trojans. Specifically at quarterback. Specifically at quarterback. Name a quarterback that got better. Single one. Even Barkley regressed in year four. Kessler, Barkley, Darnold. Kessler's senior season, uh, not anywhere near as good as his junior season. Slovis was just regressed every year yeah <laughs> From when Darnold was not as good as junior as he was a sophomore year like mm-hmm. this is a thing and so much of it comes down to and we we saw it with with Barkley and we we explained it away as well with with 
with Matt Barkley, like this is because he's trying to throw downfield more and he's being more confident and like he's he's trying to trust his receivers more and he's trying to make a bigger play and all this stuff. And I think the 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 crazy part is you can squint and look at the numbers and kind of buy that there's merit in that. Um, you know, Jameis Winston famously did this at Florida State too. Um, but like when you look at the numbers from 2011, to, I'm pulling them up right now. 2011, Matt Barkley, yards per attempt was 7.9. In 2012, it was 8.5. So it improved. Uh, now the thing, but his interceptions doubled. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Now, I, it, I think, with specific to Lincoln Riley quarterbacks, though, I think you should feel pretty good because they haven't done that. Spencer Radler might be the only one that's an example. Well, to be fair, but Spencer Radler is the only quarterback that he's ever started that he's ever given up that on. Did not did not get to an elite level because Baker Mayfield legitimately got better every year. Even the twenty his Baker Mayfield's twenty sixteen season is stunningly good, and his last three he, seasons were all elite. And he got even better and in he got marginally better because there was wasn't much room to get yeah, better. Yeah, Kyler uh, Kyler and Jalen Hurts are are not good examples because they only got one year to start each. But they didn't regress on but what they certainly didn't what regress they from what from they had what done they the year from what they had done previous in their career, uh, whether Hurts as a as a starter at Alabama or Murray as a backup to to uh, to Baker. Yes. yes. So yes, I think that Lincoln Riley does not have a track record of his quarterbacks taking a step back as exactly. they developed through his system. Yes. So I think it's very possible that there is some sort of middle ground here where middle ground in the sense that uh, as Walter in, in the chat says, do those quarterbacks have Lincoln like Riley as coach? No. no. Yeah. And yeah, a thousand percent. I think there's a middle ground here where I think it's possible that the interceptions that Caleb Williams has, he can get way more up. unlucky. He can, he can get unlucky. He can also take more risks and he can, his interceptions can, can double from five to 10. Mm-hmm. And I think he can still be better because we talked about it. His yards per attempt uh, this past season, 9.1, which is what, two and a half yards less than than Kyler Murray was doing? How do you get to those two and a half yards? By taking more risk and throwing downfield that might mean a more inter- like one more interception every two to three games. And suddenly you've doubled your interception total, but you've improved everything else. So... I think there's a chance where you look at it and you're like, the pristine numbers in terms of like interceptions don't look as good, but everything else looks better. Yeah. And so maybe that comes from the the this place of he tries to stay in the pocket and run less by trying to do more with his arm. Maybe that to go back to the, the heart of what MC is asking here, maybe that's what it is. Um, I don't know. Um, the other, the flip side of this is you look at what the guys were doing on the grounds uh, at Oklahoma, and they were still running the ball a lot in their final seasons. Mm-hmm. Mind you, Baker is sort of the only one that we can sort of now. Now I'm curious to see Baker's rushing numbers from year to year, but like Baker's the only one that we see we have a track record that we can truly look at. Baker's um, also the least runnable of the quarterbacks that. Uh, but he was. Baker was was very mobile. Yeah, mobile, but like 
not Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts. So, 2015, Baker runs 141 times for 405 as a sophomore. 2016, um, 78 times for 177. So, he runs less, much less. And then as a senior, 97 times for 311, which he runs slightly more, but still way less than he did as a sophomore. But he's more efficient. Yeah. And in terms of his yardage, so he probably picks his spots better. I think what you're talking about here, it all narrows down to efficiency. I think we can see Caleb just get much, much more efficient he picks in every his, aspect of the he, game. He picks his spots better. He might have more yards or similar yards, but fewer attempts. Mm-hmm. And ends up looking downfield and trusting his arm a little bit more. Or, or making those like... Mahomes-like throws. Um, I mean, you look at his run rushing last year. Uh, like, is he going to stay in the pocket more? Is the question. But you look at the the yard. He only ran for three hundred eighty-two yards. Mm-hmm. I I I had seen so many clips of him at Oklahoma having long runs. Yeah. Well, I and mean, he did not do that at SC until the very end of the season. And then he and then he did in his hamstring and yes. <laughs> He did it so, in his hamstring like, against I mean, Utah. There's an argument against but like, those long runs. He the, did a lot of running behind the line of scrimmage. To be he clear. did a lot of running behind the line of scrimmage, yes. Yeah. Yes, 100%. Did not have a single game over 100 yards. Um, but, yeah. All right. Uh, I, I, I think I think we're going to wrap up there, this offensive preview. Uh, we've gone almost an hour and a half. Uh, it's been fun, as always, to talk about USC going into the season. We'll be back on Wednesday to talk about the defense. Uh, and then on Thursday, if you become a member, you get to join us and um, join us for Rot After Dark, Thursday night, 9 p.m. Pacific. I know it's not great for the East Coast, but it's Rot After Dark. It's yeah. it's it's a late show. We're just going to be hanging out. Hey, talking our, about random things. Our East Coast friends, our East Coast friends need to practice staying up late. Yeah, especially with, with, with the games. Big Ten coming. Those mm-hmm. night games are back, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yep, yep, yep. All right. Uh, we will be back uh, Wednesday, as always. Uh, you can email us, reignoftroyatfanside.com. You can give us your calls, 818-643-7227 on the rant line. And uh, we will we will see you when we see you on Wednesday night, 5 p.m. Pacific here on YouTube for the defensive preview. Uh, until then, at least you got a final word. The final word is touchdown. Really? If you're going to judge my final words, you're, then you you're, can stop asking for final words. I mean, that's, that's valid. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's fair, to be honest. Yeah. All right, we'll see. See ya. See ya. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.